Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the J3 University Podcast. I am your host, John Jewett. And I am your co-host, Luke Miller. Our mission is to elevate the physique coaching standard. And deliver the highest level of competitors to the stage. Let's jump into today's episode. Cold water therapy sucks for muscle gain. The people are angry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. it's this topic for the day, but Luke, Luke, where do we live? We live in De- Texas. We live in Texas. Texas is not cold. <laughs> no, I feel like uh, there's Luke and I both. There's a lot <laughs> of the heat. A lot of jacked people that walking around here. So maybe the initial evidence for lack of cold water therapy. <laughs> I like that. Is the science that's we're laying it out? Yeah, everything's bigger in Texas. Texas is hot. Henceforth. Heat equals big people, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Science quote for the day. Oh, man. Just call us uh, Ned the Jack guys. Isn't it Ned the Science Guy or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or Bill Nye. Bill, no, Bill, Bill Nye. Nye. Bill Nye. Wow. Yeah. Bill Nye. Uh. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, before we dive in, how's prep going your way? Prep's going actually really good. I... Uh, Made made a decent poll in food last week. Okay, and my uh, it was like 500 calories drop on on both non training and off days, and then also the treadmill just wasn't cutting it to get my heart rate up in the range. Mm. So I was already getting pretty high, like nine percent incline, and I was at 3.1 miles per hour. And so I've done the spin bike now, which um, is worked actually really well. So man, I can get on that thing in three minutes. I'm like up into the one twenties. That's awesome. And I'll stay on there for 15 minutes. Cause at, by the 15 minute mark, like I'll start floating into the one thirties for my heart rate. Um, I could just lower it down, but also like the leg pump starts really setting in. Um, then from there, I just moved my last 10 minutes on the treadmill and, uh, I can easily like keep heart rate up the rest of the time. So, that's uh, how I've transitioned like between the, the two. And by doing that, I pulled like three pounds off this week and like visibly, like it was a huge difference in picks, like waist dropped like three quarters of an inch. Like you look, yeah. I looked like a bodybuilder again. I felt like, <laughs> you know, just, but no, it was, uh, it was good. Yeah. Good, good progress. So that's awesome. I saw you had a pose down yesterday too. In the, in the gym. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, um, Fernando, he's uh, from Mexico. He's like in his early twenties, natural, and just looks phenomenal. Yeah, um, and he's he's done like he's prepping himself, which he's six weeks out. Which if you saw his condition, like it's really good. And he uh, he's like, yeah, I've used all the J three U stuff to like self coach, and that's awesome. Um, it was just it was just really cool. So yeah, we we had fun. What? How about yourself? What's going on? Just uh, surviving. I'm in survival mode surviving. right now. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's rough. I've literally spent. From 5.45 to getting on this podcast, soothing a crying baby. So, and it is 
915 for those who are trying to do math on how many hours that was. So productivity is at its all time lowest. So we're, we're getting there, <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's, uh, that's rough. It, it'll be all right. It's just part of this initial, initial part. But, um, I think for the cryotherapy slash recovery modality conversation, we should probably cover like what we're seeing first, because it seems to be a very popularized, trendy, like cultural thing now to get the cold water immersion tub and make sure you're doing that every part of your morning for that morning routine or post-workout or whatever it is that these people are doing it. And uh, I think for our, our sector of people, it's, it's going to be pretty important to start to pull out our considerations around that and, and why we think it shouldn't be used or should be used and maybe the potential application for it and where it could be. Yeah. And it's, it's getting more mainstream, but you know, this is something that's, it's been around for a long time. I saw, I was seeing stuff like since the twenties, there's been like these like cold water being done in, in sport um, or like the, well, the polar bear club, like the, plunges like that like this is like <laughs> things that have been like in little bits of culture like for a long time in communities so i think it's just kind of gaining some some mainstream traction again and uh, like in football like we had the ice tanks and stuff and people would you know if you had to go to the uh, the trainer's room like you'd see guys in there but i mean that was kind of it it was never really i never really saw it outside of that but then you know we seen like cryotherapy pop up and now like yeah i like specific ice plunge baths are being sold for um your like residential home and stuff so yeah uh yeah yeah it's interesting and cool papers to be like around this and just so to, to lay out like what is cold water therapy usually like it's being submerged in 50 to 60 degree Fahrenheit water, which I'm sorry if you do Celsius, <laughs> I can't convert that um, for like, for like 10 minutes. That's like the typical therapy approach yep. that we see done. Um, now, if we do get cryo where we can separate these a bit, usually that's like negative 200 degrees Fahrenheit mm. for like two to three minutes, which saying that out loud, negative 200 degrees sounds just that, seems absurd. It seems enough. like, yeah, you'd have like just a, a freeze gun just spraying someone. They just turn like to a immediate popsicle, right? <laughs> um, oh, goodness. But, you know, some of the the benefits that we talk about with this, um, and, I, you know, for us today, like we want to talk specifically to physique athletes around hypertrophy training, strength training. Uh, like if there's other like benefits being promoted through this, like decreases in um potentially depression, um, increases in mood, uh-huh. immune system benefits. Uh, some people have brought up metabolism benefits, but uh, o- overall, I would say a lot of that evidence is earlier on in smaller studies, but nonetheless, that's not our main focus for like no. what Luke and I in our current lives, what would be um, you know the, the focus for using a modality like this and 
for the for the benefits around training, you see like, you know, decreased fatigue perception. So we ask like, hey, it's gonna improve your recovery. Like, what does that actually mean? Because recovery, does that mean also you're gonna get more hypertrophy gains, right? Or more strength gains. And so a lot of these studies when we're seeing improvements in recovery, it's usually through like, hey, someone's perception of their fatigue is reducing. There's also a reduction in muscle soreness. Yep. And um, inflammatory factors are reduced as well. That's usually they measure these things in the study. Post training, you have this increase in the inflammatory response and these release. Um, one being like you know a C-reactive protein or interleukin six. Um, there's also reductions in creatine kinase, which kind of is an indice for for muscle breakdown. Um, and the big one that we really see for recovery, and uh, it's a, a pretty good standard, is your after you have a training bout, you have a reduction in your ability to uh, have a muscle contraction at a certain velocity. So what they usually do is measure contraction velocity. And once you get back to your baseline, this would indicate, hey, you have muscle recovery occurring. So this is one other thing that could say, hey, ice baths improve contract return to initial contraction velocity time. And then also um, you have these things called nociceptors in the muscle, which uh, can have a, it, it can lower nociceptor activity, which causes a reduction in pain sensation. So these are some of the benefits around ice baths and training. So you're able to kind of get back into this state to have optimal muscle contractions and also reduce this perception of soreness that you could be having. Yeah, and it all sounds like the... Uh the, the, the magical wand in the recovery metrics or the recovery modalities sector. But we also have to like take a step back and be like, okay, if these are all the benefits, none of those benefits brought up an improvement in hypertrophy. And, and there's actually a reason why for that. And some of the papers we pulled kind of start to go into what looks like uh, a potential detriment for hypertrophy because of that reduction in the inflammatory response. Um, and we actually, we pulled papers that were different papers, but similar. So I'm just going to go over the one that you pulled. Um, the Roberts 15 one was um, 12 weeks of training with two groups training two times per week. Um, and the one using the cold water immersion therapy led to uh, lower quad volume increases compared to the non-ice group. Um, that was a 2015 paper. And I think this is in where we need to look at because my paper has a similar comparison. The paper that I pulled was twice, twice a week training for three weeks or for three months. Um, and it was a comparison of cold water immersion to active recovery modalities. And we saw decreases within that cold water immersion group as well compared to the active recovery. Um, and if we're seeing this trend, I think this starts to ask the question, what is the benefit of cold water immersion? And is it specific to our culture? Because at the end of the day, we're trying to put the best physique athletes on stage. And we need to look at the comparison of these modalities specific to hypertrophy, because that's the only adaptation that is actually getting measured on stage. They're not asking you what your squat is when you're on stage. They're not comparing your squat performance on stage relative to anybody else. Our sport specifically within bodybuilding has to be within the comparison of chasing that specific adaptation. Now we'll kind of bring up later in the conversation, the potential for 
crossing that modality into other sports and or other mm, endeavors. But I think that kind of starts to lay the framework of the direction that this cold water immersion or cold therapy is going to head for our, our sector, at least. Yeah. And, and, you know, people say big deal, two papers, you know, yeah. but, <laughs> you, you know, you have to go off the evidence you have. And it's not just two papers. Actually, there was uh, another study by Yamana in, in 2015, probably saying it wrong, looking at um, they're training the wrist, wrist flexors, flexors right. and yep. one using cold water therapy. And the one that wasn't using cold water therapy had significantly more growth in their wrist flexors. Um, another study by Fife having a similar outcome. Um, I think that was looking at also leg leg size increase. So, I mean, we have four studies that have direct application to following people over time using this modality and showing less muscle growth. And so it's not like sometimes people are pulling like mechanistic studies around just, you know, hey, this pathway's influence and that might have detriment, but these are actual studies in humans following them over a training course. And it's, these aren't long studies either. They're, you know, 12 weeks, six weeks and showing that in, in most of these studies, it's, it's caused a large reduction in muscle growth. So over even a longer time, what would that mean? Um, and, you know, when I was bringing these up, because I posted this on Instagram and man, people were, they were angry, right? <laughs> Usually if you, you probably were like, hey, I have a, you know, a wellness clinic or I sell plunge, you know, Therapy. buckets and they're, I'm pissed. So, um, but in, in these studies, like how they're implemented is usually immediately after training. Yeah. Um, like that Roberts paper, they were using it twice a week, which I've seen guys that actually do ice bath twice per week. Um, and so you'd say, well, well, yeah, that's just right after your workout. So that doesn't apply to like how I'm using, like understood. Like we don't have studies yet that compare like using the same protocol, like 12 hours after you train or 24 hours, hours after you train. So, but since that research isn't there, we can't say like it doesn't matter now because we just actually, it's kind of a question mark around it. Mm. And if you looked at... Um, just how long after, because some of this mechanistically, you have a decrease in protein synthesis when you're using an ice bath immediately post-training. So after training, you have this immediate rise in protein synthesis. So my question would be, well, how long does that occur for after you work out? And protein synthesis can be elevated for up to 24 hours yep. post-training. Um, and actually, it starts to almost even have a slower decline up to the 36 hour mark. So to say like, Hey, I'm going to have a training and okay, I can't do ice bath immediately post-workout. I'll just do it on my rest day. Well, you might still be influencing your training adaptations from that session, even doing it on your rest day. But again, we, we don't have the study to say like, Hey, cold water therapy on your off days. What, what does that do? And um, that was just part of the critiques, but also like, Hey, another part of being devil's advocate of, of what that might look like as well. If we actually had those studies around and, um, you know, to keep in mind, like with, with research too, like they're testing to try to really create an outcome to occur. Cause so we don't want to just have like, yeah, we'll use it like once a week. Then we say like, oh yeah, it didn't matter if we used it once a week. We really want to see like how, if you, you went to the extreme, right. Using it after every session, what, what does that look like? And to really have a robust response and, I know that might not apply to you, but that's how we actually can do things in research to bring about that effect. 
Um, so it it is right now currently like the evidence around hypertrophy and using cold water therapy. It's fairly conclusive that like, all these studies show that it has a detriment to hypertrophy. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. So consider, consideration point for sure. Yeah, I think that's not to take away from the fact like, if it just makes you feel good and you want to use means. it by all means. Right. Cause I know I, I don't have anybody that coach, but I know someone who's like that, where it's just like an enjoyable part of their day, which for the people that that's an enjoyable part of the day, whew, I'm just not a fan, but um, I, I get it. Like if it's something that's a part of your routine and you like keeping that as part of your structure, it's like, just understand that you're taking that sacrifice for that, just like with anything, right? So I think the question asked is, and for us, it's always how do we optimize the process? And if we can optimize it by not partaking in an activity that's going to lower that potential for hypertrophy, even though we don't have data showing it on the rest day, like knowing that that protein synthesis elevation is at least 24 hours, if not, potentially stretching all the way out to 36, I would really start to raise the question if it even has any application within a bodybuilder that's trying to pursue this at the highest level. And that's kind of where like my thoughts start to go around it. Now we don't have definitive data for me to say that in a confirmatory manner, but that would be kind of where my thoughts start to lead. Um, but I do think that we can start to have the discussion around other recovery modalities because it doesn't mean that recovery modalities should be thrown out the window. Yeah, no, it's it's not. And there's been some good comparison studies around cold water therapy and yeah. some of the other modalities as well. Um, there is some differentiation between cryo and cold water therapy. There is. With, uh, th there was a 2017 paper and they were, it's an acute study, so they test like um, knee flexion and they look at creatine kinase for muscle breakdown and using either cold water or cryo post and seeing, you know, how quickly do they get back to um, this output for knee flexion and as, and also the recovery metrics that they were, they were looking at and the cold water therapy outperformed cryotherapy in this paper. So it looks like just from a efficacy standpoint, like cold water therapy can could potentially outperform cryo that kind of leaves the question is, well, if that one has that much more of an impact on all these recovery aspects that might be detrimental to hypertrophy, would cryo be less impactful for hypertrophy? Uh -huh. And they, that, that's, that was an acute paper, right? So it's not measuring over, you know, 12 weeks of training, what that means, but still uh, as a whole, like cold therapy, like the, what we have to go off of likely just overall could be, impactful. Uh -huh. Um, now <clears throat> there's another paper comparison, um, cold water therapy and just light cycling. And this was a 
by peak 2017. Did you read that paper? I didn't read that, that the one, one you but looked at. No, but uh, you had another one. I was going to bring up the hot water versus the cold water. That's the one that I kind of read into some. Yeah. Okay. Was that by peak? Peak was the author on, let me double check the 12. I think that was 12. I mean, no big deal. 12 weeks of training, but anyway, since I brought it up, like, yeah, this, this was another acute study. So they, Hey, resistance trained and then post-workout, they either did cold water therapy or light cycling. And there was no significant difference between the two for Mm -hmm. lowering inflammatory markers or cellular stress. So cold water therapy was just as effective at just like getting on a spin bike in cycling for 10 minutes. So just a consideration point of, for things that we start to get into around, um, you know, practicality, feasibility, and cost of using something like this, um, that a potentially maybe just a active recovery modality might have good application as well. Now there is like that meta paper that kind of compares all these modalities, but before we get there, yeah, go ahead. Um, Luke, you brought up like heat versus cold. cold. Yeah. And the thing with heat versus cold is like, there's, there's a lot of variability in some of the studies that I kind of looked through. Cause I, I didn't get to read through all of them, but there was like a couple that showed like very, very similar effects. And then I know the one that you pulled showed a difference in hot water immersion kind of showing potential benefit in these like anabolic effects compared to cold water immersion. And so I think, I think that leads me to the meta is kind of where I was going to bring that up because with the variability in independent studies, where I like to go is trends, right? Like what does the trend across all of these recovery modalities start to tell us? And I think the the meta-analysis that you pulled that was a comparison of, of multiple different recovery modalities, I believe cold water immersion, it was cryo, hot water, there was massage therapy, and then what else was in there? Um, compression therapy. There's also just, just active recovery. Like if you got on the spin bike or something like that. Yeah. And, and that's the paper that I think for us gives us the most direction to bring up, discuss, and then kind of start to head into application. Because when we look at, and I'm going to just cover the subjective metrics first, just because I think that's kind of where a lot of people are very interested in this. We've already kind of cited some of the potential negative detriments of cold water immersion from a hypertrophy perspective, but from a subjective perspective of improving soreness and how overall fatigued you feel, we actually saw that the massage therapy was like bar none, the highest performer in reducing that subjective marker for the candidates, which, okay. So we're looking at recovery modalities, which for most people, the goal there is to improve that subjective feeling. If we get recovery benefits from it, from a performance perspective, that's great. But most people are kind of aiming for that within that. And we saw that outshine all of the other modalities in comparison with cold water immersion, obviously lowering inflammatory markers in that paper, but not being as effective at reducing fatigue and or feelings of soreness as the massage. This is kind of where it's going to start to point us in a direction of what is the end overall end goal of recovery modalities? And it's going to be performance benefit for one, but it's also going to be subjectively how you feel so that psychologically you're going into the gym ready to perform. Because I think managing the psychological environment from a coaching perspective is probably the most impactful in getting the most out of the athlete. So we should start to push people in the direction of managing that well. Now, we should bring up performance and all these other things. That is a very integral portion of this. 
But from a coaching perspective, I'm always looking to manage the client in the best way that I possibly can. And that paper for me is the most interesting as we start to get into application because it starts to push you in the direction of where you could potentially make suggestions to the clients you work with. Yeah. And like, so that pair was looking at soreness and, you know, perception of fatigue and, uh, and other ones that were like pretty high were also like the compression garment, mm-hmm. yep. um, had like some good application, which if you, I, I've had some clients actually get like the actual compression pants that they used in these studies. Yeah. And for like, when you're having someone that's doing like two a day cardio sessions and legs feel really heavy, like you could have application of like wearing something like that, or even just doing like the compression leggings. Um, active recovery was good for for um, muscle soreness, but it didn't show that the benefit for the perception of fatigue, probably because you're actually having to do an exercise again. However, yeah, muscle soreness like was reduced around that. So, you know, this is a gets into like, hey, these are some modalities and put potentially might not have detriment on hypertrophy, but it's also not robust around studying around it because if we think about you know, what, what is it about the cold water therapy? Is it the cold itself? And, and all these therapies, one thing they kind of have in common is this tried to like remove or increase blood flow. So like compression therapy or massage, like you're pushing into a muscle and that changes perfusion of blood flow, um, or cold water therapy, it reduces blood and then heat increasing blood flow. Like they all kind of share that same characteristic, when I was looking through more of the heat papers, it it seemed a, a bit inconclusive as far as like some studies show benefits, some sh- studies didn't show benefits. It wasn't as clear about hypertrophy though. Um, so the the heat one still like it just all all of them don't seem like they have like a robust benefit um, for mm-hmm. what could bring out. But like you mentioned, like the massage and potentially might have the the greatest benefit, especially from the psychological aspect and the relaxation aspect. Cause we get into like, what are your really your big ticket items for, for managing recovery? And I know we can easily say like, you know, cold water therapy, this is like my, my big thing, but then you forget like, Hey, really your big ones are, are sleep, like sleep, your greatest recovery tool. And then are you eating, you know, a sufficient amount of calories, a sufficient amount of protein for recovery. And then it gets into also stress management, like your lifestyle. Are you managing stress and being able to get into relaxed states? And I think that's where we see like some of these benefits outside of the, the direct actions that they have on maybe, you know, reducing inflammatory markers or whatever is the mental component around it. Like actually having relaxation occur. And that's huge. Like I have clients that have, you know, either they're shift workers or they work stressful jobs and man, the progress in those individuals, it's really tough because I have to make such reductions in training volume to based on their recovery capacity. So if we're able to raise the ceiling up for that recovery capacity, they can train more and potentially that could lead to more growth. So yeah, those are like your main components to really pull on. So, you know, don't think that like one of these therapies is going to be the game changer, like cold water therapy being the game changer for you for recovery. It's really your big, big ticket items to go through. So, you know, Luke and I present this to just not try to be emotionally attached to things. Cause I think that's what people are. Either you've 
recommended cold water therapy or you've done it yourself. And, and, you know, some people might feel like foolish, like, oh man, you know, I'm going to look silly that I was using this. It's not great for muscle growth and you try to defend it. You know, just be always open to, to changing your opinion and not box yourself into something because that's what we really need to do with trying to be like, if you're being an evidence-based practitioner, that you're, you're open, you don't have a dog in the fight. You just want to do what's going to be best for your goal. And that's uh, kind of how I've kept that mindset. And I've had things that I've done in the past and I've had to change my mind on because more evidence came out or I just was naive and and learned more. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. I think, I think my take on this too is, is not to kind of cross our sectors either because I do see that there's application within performance-based endeavors, like needing to get someone back to contract all velocity for these more strength-based sports and or performance-based sports, which is pretty much every other sport other than ours. Um, yeah, yeah, because the the acute studies on strength performance are, are really good. Like yeah. you could do, um, I, I think of like, uh, I don't know, a strong man or CrossFit, right? Like if you have like this long day event or sessions or even two, you could do an ice bath. Yeah. Get back into having like that performance benefit and have to, you know, train again or perform again or same with an athlete. Like that has application to those individuals and, and around strength sports. Now for strength though, what you see in the longer term studies is that there is less strength progress than if you weren't using cold water and I, what I pulled away was that a lot of that could be from part of the attenuation from um, muscle growth. So it looks initially like nervous system wise, that type of strength progress isn't impeded. But if you're also having reductions in muscle gain, then that could be more of the detriment for the long term strength athlete. But acute wise, um, I think that's where you would have the application. But again, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a strength athlete. Um my, my main focus has been bodybuilding. So that's where a lot of my thoughts still lie around, like what we're trying to tell you and recommend to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think when we start like coaching athletes, it's important to have the discussion around the conversation you actually have with the athlete and presenting your logic to them. Because I, I do find there are people that are emotionally attached to certain recovery modalities. And it's just because it's something that they've done for a long time and they just want to continue doing it. And your role as a coach is to get them to the best version of themselves as you can. And if you truly believe that, you know, like based off this conversation, cold water immersion is impacting that athlete's ability to improve. It is your job to bring that up and have a conversation with them on, Hey, I do think this is holding you back from your best version of yourself over the long term. Um, and then you can just present those papers and that data and, and have that conversation of, look, this is an objective conversation of how do I get you to be the best athlete? And this is where we start to potentially be able to use the um, the meta to show other modalities that could be used. And so we're proposing solutions to the removal of anything that may be detrimenting the client's process. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
you know, I had some other people reach out to me that were using cold water and they were like, Hey, these sub, these subjects, they weren't on steroids, right? Like, well, no, no, they weren't. Um, so that means it won't matter or apply to like someone using PDs. And yeah, I mean, you, you could, you can override a lot of crappy things with PDs, right? Um, you, poor training, poor nutrition, it can mask a lot of things. So the, the best studies that why I even look at studies is because they control for those things. So when you have just the really big guy, he's like, yeah, I do cold water therapy. I'm fucking huge. It's like, well, okay. Is that, is that really valid or not? So that's why we have studies to actually look at. If I had a study in natural bodybuilders that showed two different training programs and one training program caused like no muscle growth. And then you'd say like, well, hell yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that training program. Give me the other one. Well, the same thing apply here. If you had natural athletes and I'm showing you cold water therapy caused less muscle growth, you'd say probably should say the same with the training program. Oh, well, I, I shouldn't be doing that. So the, the same kind of thing applies around this. Um, so yeah, just don't be too tied into these. But I think if you have someone that's using cold water therapy, it's more coming up with like the happy medium, right? Like uh -huh. the extreme is like using it every day. Don't need to use it every day. Let's use it maybe the times when you have maybe a really hard training session where you just got completely annihilated and you kind of went, you stepped over too far mm. or let's use cold water therapy. I, I see an application of like doing it on your deload weeks. I was about to bring that up. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> Beat you to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause on, on a deload week, the focus is recovery and we're really not trying to drive a stimulus that causes muscle growth necessarily. So that would have its good application. Maybe, Hey, on deloads, we're going to do ice baths, like whatever, twice during this week. Someone can still do them and enjoy that. But on your other, during your training weeks, we could use some of the other modalities that would be less likely to cause that impedance to occur. Yep. I, yeah. I do believe in the Texas heat therapy though. That's, that's still high up the list for me. Which one? The Texas heat therapy to live. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just walk out, walk out on the Texas, uh, Texas street on the, in the summer, hot summer day. Um, I think a lot of these two, it's for a lot of people, we're not going to have ice baths at home. Um, um, and, and so you have to make some other like consideration points, right? Like for what I would be picking, it wouldn't be detrimental in some way to my goal. Like that uh -huh. would be number number one. So if your goal is maximizing muscle growth, you might not be picking cold water therapy, but there might be other modalities that you you can't pick, or you might not care about being as most the most muscular as possible, and you want the other benefits from cold water therapy. By all means, do it. Like there there are other benefits to be brought about by that. Um, also, it needs to be practical in some way. Um, because we're not all going to have ice baths, right? Or we all don't have the ability to drive over to an ice place that has an ice bath like every week. So I would say not time consuming is a, is a big one for myself because we have like one of these wellness clinics here uh -huh. that has all types of modalities, but man, it's like, if I went over there, it's like an hour and a half of my meet my driving like a day, which I the the all right the stress of driving in traffic is uh, outweighing the stress <laughs> the stress relief from using cold water therapy um and then uh, you know the cost around it too needs to be considered to to go to like i saw the cryo place that's right next to me by my house they're like you know 35 bucks for a cryo session on if you go on tuesdays i think it's cryo tuesday or something um 
that could be a lot for some people for yeah. what benefit are you, are you gaining? So just to, to weigh those in, but you know, so with cold water therapy, yeah, the other therapy sessions might have application doing a hot bath soak at home. That's pretty practical or even having, you know, if you are going to be doing, I'd say massage work, rotating that in, uh, during your actual training mesocycles would have, could potentially be beneficial, but there is a cost around that. Now I would say the, the free one that could have some similar application would just be, Hey, just do some foam rolling, like a foam <laughs> rolling session, like in the evening, uh, absolutely could work. Or if you have like your massage gun, like it could, you know, have kind of a similar thing of having some self massage work done. Yeah. It's free. It wouldn't be time consuming. It's, you know, feasible and logistically able to do that could have its application. So I think, Hey, you have, you have a arsenal of tools for recovery. Don't get tied down to one. Just see how to implement them within what your goal is that you are chasing after. Um, yeah, I think, I think that covers it. I mean, I don't think any further conversation brings more consistency to the table in that, look, we have this evidence that potentially, you know, some of these modalities can impact hypertrophy, you know, take these considerations about what's practical and what doesn't detriment your goal set and what you're able to do consistently and what actually shows improvements for you and, execute on that within the game plan that you set out for yourself and then just gauge progress from there. And that'd be kind of how like that scientific approach or scientific method approach would, would work for me. And that's how I would go about it is um, it, like, for example, for myself within my process, when I was pursuing bodybuilding, um, going to get chiro work done through grass and therapy and adjustments was kind of the one modality for me that made the biggest impact. And didn't need to be that frequent. It was like once every 12 weeks, tried to do it around my deload times and it worked out really well. And then that was just kind of, as I went through all the modalities, the one that I found most impactful for me. So, um, it, it is something that you could, you take through your personal process once you hear this data and, and kind of figure out what's best for you as well. Yeah. I think that wraps it up. So, Hey, appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, any questions, comments, leave them below, and we will talk to you all next time.